Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host. Thanks for joining us. Thanksgiving week is upon us. I hope you all have some great plans ahead with uh, family and friends to, uh, to enjoy some turkey and not talk about presidential politics. So I, uh, I've got a challenging couple of days ahead for myself, but, uh, but it's great to be sitting here talking ophthalmology today. I had a chance to speak with our old friend Tom Frenzy, who's the senior vice president of AMO. And uh, we've had Tom on here a few times. He's, uh, he keeps making news. We had him on six months ago when he joined AMO, and uh, we had him on after that. Uh, I did a video interview with him to talk about uh, his, uh, his plans at AMO, what he'll be doing there. And now, of course, we had the opportunity to speak with him about the news that uh, Johnson & Johnson would acquire AMO. So, uh, so lots of activity there. In this conversation, Tom uh, talks a bit about uh, the process that led to Johnson & Johnson's acquisition, what it means for AMO's vision business or for, uh, for Johnson & Johnson's future vision business, and more, uh, more personally, what it means for Tom Frenzy. So Tom lets us know what his own plans are. Uh, we talk, of course, about, uh, about Technus Symphony and what, uh, what it means for the company and what that rollout has been like. And then uh, finally, we talk a little bit just more broadly about ophthalmology and uh, sort of how it uh, ebbs and flows with, uh, with the rest of healthcare as, uh, as times change in, uh, in political and in business world. So great conversation with Tom. Very happy to have the opportunity to speak with him. We were supposed to uh, talk at OIS at AAO, but he came down with a nasty flu and could not make the trip. So let's hear from Tom Frenzy of AMO. All right, Tom Frenzy, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's good to be here, Tom. Uh, we were talking offline. You missed your, your first AAO in, in a very long time. Uh, uh, what was that like? Is it, does it leave you bereft of uh, insights and connections, and now you're just wandering around the dark, kind of fumbling through? No, I, I think uh, what it did allow me to do is get caught up on some long-needed rest and uh, uh, allow me to feel re-energized for the final push to the year. But uh, certainly uh, missed uh, uh, being at the OAS. I always find that a great way to, to start, whether it's the AAO or the ASCRS, to uh, kind of network with colleagues and get a buzz of what's happening both in the financial investment world as well as uh, startups and strategics. So um, I, I heard you had a, another successful meeting, and I look forward to participating uh, on the front end of ASCRS. Yeah, well, Jim Mazo missed you tremendously. He just <laughs> pined during the whole I understand my buddy, Mr. Mazo, uh, <laughs> was kind to me from the podium, so I always appreciate that. So uh, let's get back to business. I mean, we, we talked about six months ago when you uh, took over as uh, Senior Vice President of Abbott's Vision Business, and uh, looks like we can't uh, leave you alone without a company you're leading being, being acquired. Uh, that, uh, that came quickly. Uh, we had the opportunity to speak with Ashley McAvoy uh, from Johnson & Johnson a few months ago, and uh, this was right when the deal was done. Uh, there was some, uh, some time has passed since. I'm not sure if there's a lot of clarity yet on, on the acquisition, but first off, uh, did the acquisition come as a, as a surprise to you, or was this sort of something that you were positioning AMO for? Well, I, you know, I think uh, it wasn't necessarily a surprise, but um, particularly as Abbott um, 
made a decision to kind of reshape their portfolio, particularly from a medical device point of view and focus more in the cardiovascular space. Um, you know, we had an asset that was certainly tracking uh, in the right direction. Um, so I think the pending transaction with J&J is really good for all parties involved. It, it was the right thing for Abbott at the time, uh, certainly right thing for Johnson & Johnson, uh, wonderful for AMO, but more importantly, I think it's great for our industry to have Johnson & Johnson back into the surgical side of ophthalmology. And, and you know, I was um, heavily involved and engaged from day one uh, in the potential of, of, of finding a new home for the asset. But, you know, I think Abbott came to that decision reluctantly. Uh, but, again, I think consistent with their reshaping their portfolio, it was important to find the right home for this asset, and I think we did with Johnson & Johnson. Now, it does seem like a perfect fit. Can you give us some sort of update on uh, on the acquisition? How, how have things gone for the last uh, two months? It was announced on September 16th, so we've had a little time. Sure, I'd be happy to. As, as you could imagine, um, you know, the first uh, task at hand is uh, we have to get too close. So, you know, we have transition teams working through uh, all of that detail uh, as to how do we get to, to close. Obviously, that's governed by a lot of the, the bureaucratic government uh, regulatory uh, activities, and, and they're in full force. So we still anticipate closing sometime in, in early first quarter. Uh, then the second priority is really, you know, how do we maintain uh, business continuity day one? So the transition teams have really been focused on that fairly extensively. How do we get to close? And then how do we maintain business continuity and minimal disruption for our customers day one? And then I think as we, we put those two in the rearview mirror, then it's really about the, the, the full integration of how do, we, how do we want to run and operate the organization going forward um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll take that task on as the first two um, uh, are behind us. So, you know, we, we feel good about where we are and, and right now really focused on uh, just bringing the business uh, to a close, uh, as I said, hopefully in the Q1. Do you have a sense how, uh, how this may be felt in the doctor's offices? I mean, will they see... A different people will 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 they feel a change at all, or is it going to be fairly seamless for those customers? No, I, I think it'll be fairly seamless uh, from that perspective. Um, you know, as, as you think about Johnson and Johnson today, um, you know their their kind of eye health play is really on the um, contact lens side, uh, and really have nothing on the surgical side. So these two businesses complement one another extremely well, and I think one of the real synergistic opportunities um, that are there for us to kind of better understand and explore is how can we leverage J&J's relationship in the optometric community uh, to forge a very productive bridge uh, to ophthalmology and, and take advantage of uh, the brand equity that J&J has in AccuView uh, together with, um, uh, as an example, the, you know, the leading brand equity we have in the Technus IOL platform and, and our recent approval of Symphony. So uh, I think it's, it's going to be fun to, to pursue those kind of synergistic opportunities. But I think from a customer point of view, um, you know, we're, we're certainly working hard to make it uh, very seamless. And, and I would think from a cultural perspective, it must be a boost. It's like the, you know, the baseball player being traded from a team where 
perhaps he was sitting on the bench to a team that really wanted him and sees a bright future. There's a different sort of energy behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, I, as I said, this transaction is good for all the parties involved, and J&J is certainly passionate and excited about iHealth, uh, and it's nice to, to have that kind of uh, committed parent uh, to the iHealth world. And, um, you know, we're excited to be, uh, hopefully soon, part of Johnson & Johnson. And the question I had asked uh, Ashley McAvoy, and the answer wasn't available yet, was what is, uh, what's Tom Frenzy's role in the new venture? Will you, uh, is this something you, you still want to be part of? Yes, I do. And, um, you know, we, we've worked through that, and, and uh, um, certainly J&J. You know, this transaction from a personal as well as professional point of view is kind of, in a sense, a coming home for me. I started my career in med device with Johnson & Johnson in 1980, and, and worked with Johnson & Johnson until 1995 when we sold, um, at the time, iLab to Chiron. And that's where I began my association with Bill Link. Um, so for me now, to come full circle uh, some 22 years later, uh, back to Johnson & Johnson uh, does feel a little bit like coming home. And, and uh, J&J has made me feel very welcomed, and I look forward to continuing to lead the organization uh, going forward. So, um, yeah, for me personally uh, and for J&J, we've agreed that uh, I will stay on and run the business. That's great news. Good. Glad to hear it. Uh, we'll get into the Texas Symphony in a moment, Technus Symphony in a moment, but um, I just wanted to, go, going back to the podcast we had six months ago when you were first joining AMO, uh, what has the last six months been in terms of just taking a look at the franchise and, and making any changes? Have you made any wholesale changes within the group or anything you can talk about? You know, no, nothing at this point that, that's certainly public knowledge. But in general, uh, you know, my, my approach has been uh, to kind of come in, listen, assess. Uh, quite frankly, the last four or five months of, of my tenure has been consumed with, with this transaction. So, um, but uh, it, it's given me an opportunity to understand where our strengths are. And certainly now as we close the transaction and create the new company, if you will, uh, I think I'm in a, a much better place to, to really ensure, um, both culturally and, and from a practical sense, we, we have the right people in the right positions in order to take this company to the next level. Now, on one hand, I was thinking it's probably very difficult to manage sort of both aspects, coming in, managing downward to your staff, and then having J&J coming in, having to manage upwards with the transaction. But in some cases, I bet it's probably beneficial to get this all done with at once. Yes, I, I think so. And, and, and again, I, a lot of my, uh, my vision uh, is very consistent with what J&J is thinking. So uh, um, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of synergy and a lot of opportunity, and more importantly, just a lot of excitement. And the initial reaction from the ophthalmic community, um, I think, has been very positive. So um, now it's up to us to fulfill that excitement. And just were there other bidders for AMO? Maybe, and I'm not. You're not going to talk about specifics, but are there other? My question is: Are there other players out there who who are not a J and J, who maybe aren't well known to ophthalmology right now, but are looking to get into this space? What is that sort of uh, uh, neighborhood like? Is there is there are there other players looking to get into this specialty? Yeah, I, I would say so. We ran a. a a competitive process and and again when you think it you think about the field of eye health and ophthalmology in general the demographics are very attractive and I think it attracts 
uh, um, companies that, that want to put their money to work in this space. So uh, our process was, uh, uh, was as competitive as you might imagine. Did any of those companies run with Google? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, probably not. Let's get back to business. Uh, and in July, you had uh, some great news with Texas Symphony being approved. Symphony being approved. Uh, what has the rollout been like? Tell us a bit, bit about uh, Technic Symphony, the IOL, and what its benefits are. And what has the rollout, rollout been like uh, for you in terms of sales and marketing and, and getting the product out there? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, we've uh, certainly been pleased with with the initial launch of Symphony. It's it's really exceeded our expectations. And and you know, when you think about rolling out a new technology, um, if you believe as I do that, you know, probably the best barometer of of uh, future performance is is your past experience. And and we had at AMO the advantage of observing Symphony uh, being launched in in several markets outside the United States uh, back in 2014. So uh, we certainly learned uh, what worked and what didn't work and how to effectively uh, roll out a technology from that experience. Uh, The FDA obviously um, uh, gave us an approval earlier than anticipated, so it really uh, had us in a hyper mode to, to be able to prepare appropriately. So we engaged early on with uh, our investigators uh, and KOLs uh, around the country to seek their input. Uh, we certainly aligned internally with our supply chain colleagues to ensure that we had proper inventories to, to launch. And, and last but not least, we certainly made sure our commercial organization, from a sales and marketing perspective, uh, really put together a, a thoughtful, targeted, focused approach to rolling out this technology uh, that I think is incumbent when you're rolling out and establishing a new category of IOLs like extended depth of focus that Symphony represents. So as we prepared for that, um, you know, the reaction that we've seen based upon that kind of holistic approach has been uh, very encouraging. Uh, the anecdotal uh, comments back from docs have been unbelievably favorable in terms of the overall patient experience. Um, and uh, I will tell you, uh, in our first, uh, I guess now maybe eight weeks of activity, uh, we've sold over 10,000 units uh, across some 700 plus accounts. And um, the reaction is consistently very favorable. So we're excited. And, and more than anything, I, I think Symphony allows us the opportunity, as we spoke a little bit offline, uh, to really grow. Uh, the private pay aspect of of cataract surgery. Uh, You know, that channel, as you know, has been relatively flat for a number of years, and I think uh, a product like Symphony um, really has an opportunity to grow that channel. And, and again, so far early on, uh, the positive feedback coming from um, our our user base is indeed they're, they're, they're seeing a wider swath of patients coming into uh, into that premium channel, if you will, and and that's really encouraging. And if that happens, I think the whole industry benefits. We'll we'll save any hardcore political top talk for the uh, Thanksgiving dinner table, table. But I'm just curious as to uh, ophthalmology itself. What, what's the changes going on at the federal level um, in, in ophthalmology having such a strong private pay aspect as you talked about, or, or at least a, a major part of it is that. Is there any sort of how how does it respond to uh, to 
larger changes in in either at a political level or to healthcare? Is it, is it fairly immune to the forces that might throw other specialties this way or that, uh, or does it sort of uh, ride along with the rest of healthcare and whatever impacts healthcare overall impacts ophthalmology just as much? From from your experience, yeah, I I, I, I think um, ophthalmology is not immune from from all those. External forces uh, putting pressure on the healthcare environment, uh, but I think it, it just adds more credence to the fact that as ophthalmologists think about their future, um, to diversify their revenue streams into much more of a patient participation segment makes an awful lot of sense, and and we certainly want to continue to invest and develop in innovation that can grow that. And and as we stated earlier, I think Symphony is a great example of a technology that has the opportunity to to do that. So, um, you know, I think uh, anyone that that, um, is looking to have sustainable growth, you you have to be looking at uh, that channel and and the ability to grow that channel long term. Great. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you back here. I'm happy to hear that you're going to be staying with uh, AMO at J&J. That's that's great news for us. And uh, I certainly look forward to seeing you at the Next OIS at ASCRS. It's on May 4th in 2017 in L.A., which is very convenient for you. You don't have any good excuses not to make this one, Tom. I look forward to it, Tom, (laughs) and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Excellent. Thanks so much, Tom. Okay. Take care now. Well, that's a wrap. Tom Frenzy, thanks for joining us on the OIS podcast. Very happy to hear you'll be uh, part of uh, the division going forward under J&J. It's a bit of homecoming for yourself, as you noted. And I uh, hope we'll have the chance to talk again very soon at an OIS and on the OIS podcast. Thanks again to our listeners for, uh, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can do a few things for us. You can subscribe to the OIS podcast. We always like to see that. We can, uh, you can also go on, uh, on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. And, uh, and please give us a rating and uh, a comment about the podcast. We'd love to hear how we're doing. And uh, it helps a great deal uh, when you do that. And, of course, if you want to uh, continue to receive this podcast to your inbox, go to ois.net and sign up for the Ion Innovation Newsletter. All we need is your email. email. Just go to ois.net. So thanks again for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope you have a great holiday with friends and family. And uh, tune in next week for another great tale of innovation from the OIS Podcast.